for those who don't know, my name is Sise Ngasana. You see, Ngasana. Close, close-ish, close-ish. So, I'm 23 years old. I'm on staff here, and I am a proud black man. You see, I realize that some of you look a little bit confused because you may not be able to tell with my very white and natural accent as well as my love for the ocean and the Midlands. <laughs> I'm joking, I don't like the ocean. <laughs> but the reason why I say I'm black and I'm proud is because I didn't always feel that way. You see, I remember a time being in primary school and Primary school is beautiful because race is not a thing. Kids don't see race at all. And so for a a big part of my life, I had no idea what my race was. And so I was surrounded by white people, white family, white friends, white teachers. And I'm pretty sure I thought I was white. So when I look back at it, it's actually quite a funny story that I honestly pictured myself as a white person. And then we started to grow up and started to go to high school, and things were changing. You start to realize and start to recognize what you look like. And so what happened was, when we got to high school, my friends also went through a very similar transition. And I got there, and and what happened is that people from different backgrounds started to group together. And so from a distance, it almost looked like racial separation, but it wasn't that. It was a cultural separation. And so for me... Being this black man with a white culture on the inside, I was stuck in the middle. And I remember trying so hard to fit in. I remember trying to be friends with the white kids. And no, you're not white enough to fit in. And I, I would sense that and I would feel that all the time. I remember trying to be friends with the black kids and like, oh, the way you act is too white for us. So I, I would feel that. Every time. I was stuck in a place where the world was telling me that I don't belong, telling me that I don't know who I I was. The enemy knew my insecurities and was going at me every single day, hitting me in the parts that hurt the most. So how many of you have felt this way? How many of you have felt like you're fighting against the world? As the world continues to limit you by saying that you don't belong here, saying that you don't know who you are, you're divorced, why are you here? You're Afrikaans, so you need to carry the burden of apartheid. You're a woman, so you shouldn't be speaking from the stage. You see, we're targeted in such a way that the enemy hits us while we're still down. Because the enemy knows that if we're able to get up, and choose Jesus, we're able to pursue significance. And we're able to use that significance to, gro- to glorify Him. And you see, my life changed forever in January 2015 when I chose to be with Jesus. And from there, I didn't feel like I needed to belong in a specific group because I belong to His church. You see, friends, today, I want to talk about being successfully significant. Oh, that's a little bit of a tongue twister. Successfully significant. 
And the difference between God's limitations and man's limitations, because man's limitations tell you because of your past and where you come from, this is as far as you can go. But what God says is because of how I have designed you, you can go so much further. And I really hope that this word, this word will inspire you, will leave you wanting to chase after Jesus, will leave you wanting to do good in your community, do good in your family, and do good with your friends. So let's read. From Psalm 37, verse 3, this is the Passion's translation. It says, Keep trusting the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you'll be secure, feasting on His faithfulness. And in the NIV version, it says, Trust in the Lord, which is not going to come up on the screen. It says, Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. You see, friends, we're called to do good work and do what is right and significant in God's eyes. And when we let man's limitations rule over us, we are preventing ourselves from feasting on God's faithfulness. And so today, I've got three questions that I hope will help you guys reflect on what limitations you guys are living under. So one, are, the, are you living under man's limitations or, God, or God's limitations? And so I want to take a look at the story of David and Goliath. And most of you will know David and Goliath. This story is a Sunday school hit. If you went to Sunday school, you know this story. And so we're going to read some scripture just now. But before we get there, I want to give you the back, the, the back story to, to the scripture. And so basically what is happening is that the Philistines were attacking the Israelites. Every morning there was this giant Philistine named Goliath who would challenge any Israelite to fight him. And you see, Goliath was bigger and taller than any man. And he wore heavy armor with a helmet and a sphere and had a sword, and no one dared to fight him. And then there's David. David was a young shepherd boy who had faith in the Lord. He had all the brothers in the army. And one day, David's father told him, to take food for his brothers at the army camp. And so when David arrived at the army camp, he heard of Goliath's challenge. David then asked the soldiers, why has no one defended Israel? His brothers were angry with this question coming from a shepherd boy, saying, go back and take care of the sheep. But David knew that the Lord would defend Israel. King Saul knew of David's faith, and so he asked to see David, and David told Saul he was not afraid to fight Goliath. David explained that once when he was looking after his sheep, he had, to fight, he had to kill a lion and a bear. The Lord had protected him then, and the Lord will protect him now. So Saul gave David his armor, but it was too big, so David took it off and chose to fight without it. I love that part simply because man's armor didn't fit right. So he chose to fight with the Lord, putting on God's armor. David then collected rocks, some stones, put them into a bag, and he took his sling and shepherd's staff and went to go face Goliath. And now David's standing in, standing in front of Goliath, and let's read from 1 Samuel 17, verses 41 to 50. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. 
he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the, God, the, God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the, give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All, God in Israel, all of those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David, David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. You see, David in the story... He had the urge to show God's greatness. And in order to do that, he had to overcome man's limitations of you're just a shepherd, you're just a boy, the armor doesn't fit. He had to overcome that in order for him, in order for him to take hold of his opportunity of significance. So, during, so in the story, what David had to do, he had to stop looking at man's limitations and start looking at God's limitations. And with his faith for God, God ended up coming through for him by helping him defeat Goliath. So are you living under man's limitation where the armor just doesn't fit for you? Where you're seen as just that boy, just that shepherd? Or are, you living, are you, or are you living under God's limitation where you're able to battle giants? Number two, are the limitations that you're living under leaving space for God to move? I believe that we, we've got to face reality. And what I find is that God's limitations are reality. The reality is that I'm black. The reality is that I'm a man. I cannot carry a child. I cannot give birth to a child. See, the reality is that I'm six foot five. And so most of those are facts. Some may be lies. But I remember a time when I was in youth, and uh, before, I, before I share the story, I have to say to all those who have led youth, to all of those who are leading youth, you guys are warriors. I remember youth is the battlegrounds. It is, uh, I was part of youth for three and a half years. It was an amazing time, but I remember the tough times as well. And so I've shared the story before. I've shared it among the staff, but I've never shared it in a public space like this. And so basically, let me paint the picture for you. It was a Friday night, as normal, and I was doing a job called security. And for those who don't know what security is, basically you like the bouncer of youth. <laughs> and so basically you would make sure that the kids aren't misbehaving. And so you would spend time during the night going outside and looking 
uh, looking at the dark corners to make sure that no one's there. And on this particular day, I remember walking out, and there was this girl sobbing. And so I knew what to do in that moment, so I came back inside to ask another youth leader to go check on that girl. I asked a female youth leader to go check on that girl, to be correct. And so I spent a few more minutes inside, and I decided to go back outside. And as I went outside, the same girl was throwing a huge tantrum. And so in that moment, I decided to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you see, I said I was a youth leader. I never said I was a good youth leader. <laughs> and so I went to the bathroom, and when I came out, the female youth leader came up to me and said, she's gone. And I was, what does that mean? No, no, she's run off the property. Uh, no. Okay, I'm going to chase after her. You stay here. So I start running. And this youth leader also starts running with me. And now we're chasing this girl, and she's running up, towards, up this road towards Pizza Boys, around the corner towards Northwood, like Usain Bolt, screaming, leave me alone. So this is quite a situation. And so back then, I was a little bit more fit than I am now. See, once you leave school, it's a little bit downhill. And so anyway, this girl's running, and I'm chasing her. And I'm getting closer and closer to her, and I start to be aware of the color of my skin, and I'm aware of what it's going to look like if a police, police car drives by, that there's this black man chasing a girl at 10 o'clock at night. Scary situation. So then in that moment, uh, we decide, let's, let's pull back. Let's, let's, let's just make sure she's safe. And she's walking in front of us, and she's screaming, leave me alone, leave me alone, and she's marching, marching along that road, and we follow her, and we follow her, and she keeps walking, doesn't want to stop, ends up going all the way to the other side of Northwood, gets tired, sits down, and we get there, and we start speaking to her, and we start telling her how much we love her, telling her how much Jesus loved her, and, it, and that she belongs in this place, and she's not having any of it. And so we decided to call the other youth leaders and the youth, and the, and the youth pastor at the time, and uh, some of the youth leaders start to show up. Uh, Sata Capel was one of them. I remember that. I think you came and you showed up. And uh, she was getting tired of us being there. So she got up again and she walked off. And uh, I'm a patient guy, but on this day, it was getting to me. But anyway, I decided, okay, let's just follow her from a distance. So, and we followed her. And she walked and she walked back towards the church. And I think she started to realize that she's going back to the church. And so she got to Northridge Gate, and she sat down again. And at that moment, a few more of the youth leaders arrived. Chris Bartz one of them, and they came, and they sat with her, and they prayed with her, and that night she gave her life to Jesus. And so uh, that is probably one of the craziest stories I've ever been a part of. But in that situation, I was so aware of what my limitations looked like in that moment. I was so aware that even though my heart is burning for her to know the love of Jesus, I cannot force that on her. I was so aware that all I needed to do in that moment was to make sure that she's safe and leave that space in between us for God to move. So are the limitations that you're living under leaving space for God to move? And my third point, 
are the limitations that you're facing encouraging you to live your life of live a life of success for yourself or a life of significance for Jesus. You see, when I get to my sunset days, I'm very excited for those, by the way. But when I get to my sunset days and I look back at life, and people, and when people look at me, I wonder, I hope, people aren't looking at me saying, "Wow, he is." He made a lot of money during his lifetime. I hope people look at me and say, wow, he changed so many lives. And so there's a picture that I want to show you guys. See, I stumbled on, I stumbled on this picture across the internet, and it's one of Time's 100 most influ- influential images of all time. And it's a picture of this young girl from South Sudan, and she's on her way to a, to a feeding center not too far away from her village. And as you can see, she is so malnourished, and she's moving slowly, and there's actually a vulture behind her ready to attack. And so the young man that took this picture, I think I, I would love to believe that there was something in his heart telling him to do something good. He just wasn't sure how. So instead... He chose to capture the photo. And I know the story goes that after he captured the photo, he waited. He waited for her to gain some sort of strength to carry on moving. But she wasn't. And so what would happen is that the vulture would come closer, and he would quickly run to shoo the vulture away. And then he would wait. And then the vulture would come closer again, and he would quickly run to to shoo the vulture away, and then he would wait. You see, the thing is, he was told before going there, because of the sickness in the area, don't touch anyone and don't do anything. So he didn't do anything. He left. He did nothing because apparently the cost was too much. And so he ended up going back to where he's from. And in the New York Times, they published this photo in 1993. And in 94, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this photo. And four months after this, he chose to end his life. You see, every single one of us has a chance to be significant. And we have a chance to pursue being successfully significant for Jesus. You see, we also get the opportunity to pursue success. But there's nothing wrong with being successful but success is not, it's not, success is just about you. But significance is for other people, and you're able to glorify God through it. You see, the man that took this photo, he had success. He had one of the greatest honors a photographer could ever have, a Pulitzer Prize. But it obviously wasn't enough. You see, success is great. You can do a lot of things. But alone, it's not going to be fulfilling. I think the greatest tragedy in life is looking back one day and saying, I was successful in the things that don't matter. Because of man's limitations, I chose to pursue success over significance in the moments that mattered. I chose not to be there to hold that little girl to tell her that she's loved, and to tell her 
about Jesus. And friends, I don't want that for you. I want you to look back and to think of all those moments. When you get to your sunset days, I want you to look back and think, wow, I'm so glad I had the opportunity to be significant and to glorify God in all my opportunities. So are you living, are are the limitations that you're facing encouraging you to live your life of success for yourself or a life of significance for Jesus? And you see, there's opportunities that exist for us to be significant. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be anything. From helping the elderly in your community, from joining the Project Exodus story and seeing how you can help fight addiction. Anthem is currently on another journey, has been on many journeys, but is currently on another journey of significance with our move to Canubia. There's another story that you can join. And so friends, today I hope that this message has inspired you. And I'm signing out by saying thank you for listening to me. My name is Sitin Masana, and I'm a proud follower of Christ. And I'm choosing to live with God's limitations rather than man's limitations.